Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Intelligence Squared. I'm senior producer Connor Boyle. This is part two of the Saudi Project, a series from Intelligence Squared exploring Saudi Arabia's pursuit of global power. You can listen to the full episode now by searching the Saudi Project wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, do support our work and become a member of Intelligence Squared for just $4.99 a month, where you'll get access to the full series and much more. Now, let's begin with episode two, the Dubai model. Um, Saudi Arabia has embarked on a major effort, a historic effort, to modernize its economy, to modernize its society. And part of that is going to be attracting to Saudi Arabia the best talent from around the world to visit, uh, to pursue education, uh, to invest, to partner. This is part two of The Saudi Project, a series exploring Saudi Arabia's pursuit of global power. I'm Connor Boyle. In part one, we found out how oil and religion have influenced the development of the country up to this point. But in part two, I want to find out a bit more about why Saudi Arabia has got so interested in reinventing its image, and how the development of regional rivals like the United Arab Emirates and Qatar are influencing what Saudi is spending its money on. So, the person I wanted to speak to was Quinn Slobodian. He's professor of history at Wellesley College and author of Crack Up Capitalism, Market Radicals, and The Dream of Capitalism Without Democracy. He recently wrote a widely discussed and somewhat provocative piece in The New Statesman titled Why Saudi Arabia is Buying the World. I started off by asking him to tell us when did Saudi Arabia start becoming so concerned with its image? Why do you think there's been that change? Well, right. I mean, it's been decades now that Saudi Arabia is one of the world's biggest oil producers acts as this kind of spigot for global oil prices. And we're used to the idea of them as having this disproportionate weight in relation to their size uh, population-wise. But I think what's happened in the last few years, especially since uh, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, has um, sort of taken de facto leadership of the country, is that it's less just an image thing, but I think the basis of the Saudi economy is in the process of transformation. So the idea of Saudi as just being an oil giant or an oil producer almost exclusively and then making its investments abroad or investing in you know high-end real estate, buying American weaponry and so on, is now being augmented by this new idea of a kind of diversified local manufacturing economy, um, a local 
financial services economy, a local tourism economy. All of these things, which before had been seen as kind of unnecessary, given the ability to rely on uh, petroleum exports exclusively. So yes, I think it is true that there's been an attempt to sort of upgrade the image of, for example, the rights of women, you know, allowing women to drive, putting a female astronaut into space. There are these kind of superficial PR and kind of marketing moves. But I think the more important play is the structural transformation internally of the Saudi economy. And on that point, how would you define the sort of Saudi model of capitalism? I, I was quite intrigued in the piece you wrote in the New Statesman about the way in which Saudi is sort of trying to adopt or compete with the kind of Dubai model of capitalism. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about um, Saudi's model of capitalism and how it is different or similar to the Dubai model. Sure. Well, the extraordinary thing about Dubai is they sort of took what looked like a weakness and turned it into a strength, right? The apparent weakness would be that they didn't have and don't have a great deal of natural resources sitting under their soil to be extracted. They don't have the natural gas of Qatar. They don't have the oil of neighboring Abu Dhabi, which would make it look like they were kind of, you know, doomed to being the poor cousin in the United Arab Emirates and the kind of Gulf uh, coalition. But in fact, they've proven to be one of the most powerful economic actors. And how did they do that? They did that by sort of offering the space, the very small space of Dubai, such as it is, as a kind of empty terrain for the creation of kind of bespoke platforms for whatever kind of economic activity uh, mobile foreign investors were interested in. So if you wanted to, you know, invest in high-end real estate, well, they'll build you, you know, um, uh, an island in the shape of a country in, in the Red Sea. If you want to do internet and sort of information, telecommunication stuff for the region, then they create an internet city that has different rules than what exists outside of internet city. The Dubai International Financial Center, which has probably been the most successful example of this, was sort of designed from whole cloth by outside financial experts who were asked, you know, what are best practices in global financial services? If you were um, wanting to pick your kind of dream space for um, stock offerings and for and for trading and financial services, what would it look like? And then that was designed from whole cloth. So the the Dubai model is to sort of have your finger in, in many pots at the same time to be doing you know, a bit of finance, a bit of realist, a lot of real estate, retail for the region, entertainment, education, research. And for a long time, Saudi Arabia would have just looked at that and said, well, you know, and pity their need to kind of scramble to customize themselves for outside resort uh, investors. You know, they have to do that because they don't have what we have, oil. For the last few years, though, I think as I talk about it in the piece, I think there's sort of three big reasons why Saudi has chosen to um, diversify and sort of orient themselves a little bit more towards this Dubai model. One is the fracking revolution in the United States, right? Um, really one of the world historical shifts over the last decade and a half or so is the United States. Thanks for listening to this excerpt of part two of The Saudi Project. To listen to the full episode, search The Saudi Project wherever you get your podcasts. You can get access to the full series now by supporting our work and becoming a member of Intelligence Squared for just $4.99 a month on Apple Podcasts 
or by visiting intelligencesquared.com slash membership. This episode was hosted and produced by Connor Boyle. All the episodes are available chronologically on the Saudi Project podcast feed. Search The Saudi Project wherever you get your podcasts or find out more in the episode description. Thanks again for all your support.